0: Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest and a personal friend, Mike Kelly. Mike, how are you doing today?
1: Greg, I'm doing fantastic, thanks. Uh, It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. And also, thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing with your podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Well, thank you for taking us on your career journey today. But before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would... Tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I wanted to be a banker when I grew up, and that originated from the fact that when I was a little kid, when i go to the bank with my mom, I was always very curious about how the bank worked and what was going on behind the scenes. Really? Okay. Yeah, I grew up in South Carolina. We didn't have a whole lot, and I was always a very curious kid, and that was encouraged. My parents encouraged that because they didn't have the opportunities, many opportunities growing up in the South. But... Going to the bank with her, whenever she went to the bank, it was something that interested me. It piqued my interest. So being a banker is something that I thought I would love to do one day.
0: Wow, that's really great. Well, how did that take effect in school? Did you have a favorite or subject in school, and did it have anything to do with potentially being a banker when you grew up?
1: Well, I enjoyed math, and uh, again, my mother, my father, but especially my mother, would always encourage me to make sure that I was Studying hard, and I, re- I remember her practicing multiplication tables with me, making sure that I could remember those. But she always encouraged me to spend time applying myself when it came to numbers. Mm. And then I read a lot. I read everything I could get my hands on. I'm a reader today. Last year, my goal was to read 75 books, and I fortunately, I accomplished that.
0: Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm still trying to get through my uh, book I got for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'm a goal setter. As you know, I enjoy setting goals and taking action towards those goals. And reading was one of those things, again, many years ago that I developed a love for, and that continues today. And that's something that I really encourage, especially young people, to pick up that habit, find a way to read something, a little bit of something every day. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Well, what was your first job, one where you got a paycheck and felt like you wanted to do a good job, to perform well?
1: My first job was working at a store. I was a very little kid, working at a store, the only store down in my neighborhood, as a guy who just kind of helped out. So I made a little bit of money doing that. The guy who ran the store, I can't even remember his name, but I would come in and I'd make a few few bucks, a few cents back then, I guess you'd call it. And that gave me this sense of responsibility, what it meant to have responsibility and earn. And the next job after that, there were two, but if I remember correctly, the first one happened to be working with the guy who was one of the garbage men in our hometown, my hometown, Sheraw, South Carolina. And I rode around with him. It was a summer job in a truck and helped him dump barrels of garbage into the back of his truck. Wow. That was my first job. And it was a good job because as I think about it now, it gave me an empathy and a sense of perspective when it comes to people it doesn't matter what job you do i've learned over the years or why you do it every job matters right it's just how we go about doing those jobs that's what that's what's important so serving and being someone who's willing to do whatever you are given to do and doing it that well right and he was a great man the guy he's a great guy
0: wow that's great yeah doing a great job but whatever that job is and it really reflects on you and your work ethic so that's a great lesson to learn at an early age
1: yeah yeah it was responsibility uh, integrity Being willing to listen and learn from people who are older than you who weren't your parents was one of those things that I picked up from him as well. And although this guy wasn't from an education standpoint, very well educated, he was educated in life, and I got to learn a lot of things from him.
0: Well, if you would, tell us what do you do today, and if you would, walk us through how you got there, including any schooling or jobs you had right out of college and uh, kind of the progression of your career path to what you do today.
1: Well, what I do today is I run two companies one with my wife, and that is Right Path Enterprises. We do coaching, speaking, consulting, and our goal is to help people drastically improve their ability to lead themselves and other people. And that is a very, very important for us mission because we realize that over the years we've focused very little personally. Over the years I grew to understanding parts of this, but individually, we, we, as individuals, we don't focus a lot on personal and professional development. And what we do is focus more around what the corporation wants. But I've learned that we each need to take responsibility for our own development, taking a look at the broad areas of life, certainly faith, family, fitness, finances, fund, firm, friends, but getting getting clarity around purpose and living more of a purpose-oriented life, which helps us in our work and in other areas of our life. So we do that together. Then I have an hourly fee-only financial planning practice, Kelly Financial Planning, where I help people from all walks of life make smarter decisions with their money. So I do hourly fee-only financial planning and advice. I don't sell products. I don't receive commissions from any brokerage houses or mutual fund companies. I charge my clients an hourly rate for my service. That allows me to be a fiduciary, to be objective, and to do what's right for my clients. And my goal is to bring financial planning to people from all walks of life. Now, how did I get here?
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Well, I graduated from Morris Hill University with a degree in business. And I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to serve on the board at Morris Hill right now. And that is such a blessing to me because I got a great education there. I graduated from Morris Hill. Later, I got a master's in business from Webster University. But my first job out of college was as a supervisor in a textile manufacturing company called J.P. Stevens, which doesn't exist anymore. Textiles in the States is, is almost all gone. Mm-hmm. But I, it was a great job for me because I was managing people who were old enough to be my parents, and I learned how to actually practically apply some of those things I learned in college. And it wasn't easy, but it was a great experience for me. But I did that. I worked with them for about three, four years. And then I had a chance to, over time, move into an organization that I had a great career with, and that was Michelin. I worked for Michelin for 16 years. And with Michelin, I got an opportunity to work in operations in a manufacturing plant, marketing, sales, HR, finance. And I had a chance to do some project management work over in Europe. Great company. And I also had an opportunity to get some sales experience, which brought me to Cincinnati. I had a chance after finishing something called a North American Stage Program, where the company gave me an opportunity to work on a couple of important projects. I had an opportunity then to see sales and I wanted some sales experience, and that brought me to Cincinnati. And I had a chance to come to Cincinnati to get sales experience, which over time led me, led to me being recruited away from Michelin by Macy's. Michelin, again, a great company, I was on a Warren County United Way board, and a guy with Macy's said to me one day, you'd be great with Macy's. I laughed at him because I love Michelin. (laughs) We talked for a year and a half or so, and ultimately I ended up going to work for Macy's. I spent 10 years with Macy's, went in as a director of learning and development, became a vice president of learning and development, and I had a chance to build a department there in one of their business units, putting together 125 people and building a department that was a lot, it was a lot of fun and we did a lot of great things but i left macy's in 2016 to take on really a volunteer role to lead the 52 rotary clubs in southwest ohio as district governor and my wife and i we actually started our businesses we started them right before i left but we actually focused even more intensely on them after i
0: left macy's so how did managing 125 employees at macy's did that feed your Desire your interests to start your businesses? Like, Did did that encapsulate some of the needs you saw? Was that related to the starting of your businesses?
1: Well, throughout my career, I saw that there was a need when it came to leading other people, certainly. Statistics say that very few leaders are effective. A very small percentage of leaders are effective. And those that are considered effective, they're developers of people. I saw during my career that very few people focused on developing people and I also saw that very few people focused on developing themselves, taking personal responsibility for their own development. Because of those things, I saw an opportunity in our businesses really to go in and help, help organizations, but also help individuals. And also with respect to financial planning, I saw, because during my time with Michelin, I had a chance to manage a benefits office in the credit union, and I was working on my masters in business at that time, but I saw, I start to understand better that very few people manage their money well. And I saw that even clearer, as I was in HR, and I had a chance to be a part of groups that communicated to people that they were going to be losing their jobs, which is not something that you enjoy, but it was something that I experienced, and I saw that a lot of people weren't prepared for that. They hadn't prepared mentally, intellectually, emotionally, and certainly not financially. Right. For me, that was an opportunity. So as I gradu- as I not graduated, but as I transitioned, I realized that there were opportunities for me to help serve people and help meet needs that existed with individuals and in financial planning, coaching, consulting, but also with organizations, helping their people in those
0: areas as well. Right, because it's right.
1: profitable. It can help organizations become more profitable. If we serve people well, they're going to serve organizations well.
0: Right, right. And you are one of the most organized folks I know. So if you would tell us, with these two different businesses you have, what is your typical work week like?
1: My typical work week is a lot different than it was when I was with Macy's. I feel like I have much more flexibility, much more control of my time. But my, my typical work week looks like getting up on a Monday morning, I've got a schedule set for the week. I know who I'm meeting with during the week. Monday, normally some prep time. But I'm meeting with a couple clients during the week, and I also buffer in a lot of time for planning, reflection, and preparation. And I take time out for leisure. I take time out, I'm a guy who enjoys yoga, so I do yoga, and that's, uh, that's something that's fun for me. I enjoy exercising. I enjoy reading, so I work a lot of those things in as well. And also, I'm a guy of faith, so I really enjoy carving out some quiet time for prayer, Bible study, reflection, and
0: getting thanks.
1: So that's a typical week for me.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, what's one of the more rewarding things you're seeing from either the financial planning side of it or the coaching and development side of it?
1: I am seeing people get value. I am seeing people determine what their true priorities are in life, and take steps towards that. I am seeing organizations, and in particular leaders of organizations, get clarity around some of the gaps that they have. That do impact the way that people show up for work. Oftentimes when we're in organizations as leaders, the higher we go in organizations, the more that people tell tell us what they think we want to hear rather than what we really need to hear. And a lot of that has to do with fear. There's a lot of fear in organizations. When you can partner with leaders to help them understand that this exists, and help them develop a plan for breaking those things down and freeing up people to be honest with them, it changes the game. And also, if you can help them identify those gaps and develop a plan to work on them, it changes things as well. So I'm seeing some success there. I don't take credit for it. I am basically this person who goes about partnering and serving, because most of us know what we need to do. We just need people to help us get clarity around that. Mm-hmm. and then set goals and take steps to change and improve. And when we do that, we're unleashed, but we also unleash those people around, people around us. I've learned there's a lot of people in organizations, they quit, but they stay on the payroll. They show up every day, they do just enough to get by. They're not right. motivated, right. they're not inspired, they're not really invested in the work, and they hate what they do. And in many respects, they are not excited about the people that they work for, and that's not good.
0: So the goal is to unleash
1: people and help people determine what matters most to them and help them move towards that.
0: Yeah, that's really great. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So, Mike, we just learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a banker, and what you actually do today. So this is not a typical career path. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently?
1: I would probably have started my business earlier, probably five years earlier. One of the things I didn't mention as I've talked about all this is that a lot of the things I've learned over the years happened because of my own failures. There are things that went wrong in my life that challenged me, and that was especially true with Michelin. When I was working constantly and I wasn't taking time for myself, I wasn't really investing in myself, I wasn't focused on that wheel of life and developing holistically. But a lot of what I'm doing today occurred because of some of the things that went wrong. So I learned a lot from my failures. But I don't think I would do anything differently other than I would have started my business businesses earlier because I really enjoy the freedom and flexibility that I have. And I also enjoy the opportunity I have to help people, even outside of an organization more broadly, because I really enjoy people. I'm, I'm, I am motivated. I'm inspired as I connect with and get to know and have the opportunity to serve people.
0: Wow. That's really great. Well, let's make the assumption someone in our audience wants to do what you do. So define that as you will. What advice would you give them?
1: I would say get clarity around the end. At the end of your life, assume that you're 80, 90, 100, whatever that number might be. And you are there, you're sitting on a porch, you're reflecting on your life. What do you want to see? Perfectly consider what do you want to see? Get that picture in your mind, whatever that might be. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just, it shouldn't just be a position. It should be at a point in life that I fulfill my true purpose. And from that, get clarity around what positions, or position do you want to focus on that will help you accomplish that. So starting there, I would say, but then once you get clarity around that, if it's what I do, then certainly you wanna make sure that you get trained, and that looks different for a lot of us. It could be, you can, you can get training doing what you're doing today, by spending some time moonlighting, and by moonlighting I mean doing something on the side, or studying, reading, learning, training, getting with people who are already doing it, learning the craft, so that when you feel comfortable stepping into that, be it into into a job, be it into your own business, you've got some background, you've had some exposure. So a lot of it starts with getting clarity around what you want, why do you want it, what are you willing to do to get it, what is it going to take to get it? Who's going to hold you accountable for getting it? And how will you feel when, when you get it? So getting clarity around what that looks like and then setting goals and taking those steps to move you towards that. And oftentimes when you're moving towards whatever that is, be it what I do or whatever, you're going to need that strong accountability, someone to hold you accountable for taking those steps. Because, Greg, as you know, life gets very, very, very busy. And oftentimes <laughs> yes. we have good intentions and we want to focus on certain things, But we can look around, 5, 10, 15, 20 years have passed, and it's been a hope or a dream, but we haven't done anything. Taking steps, having the idea, having the vision, clarity around purpose, and then doing something, practically applying what you're learning and taking those steps, regardless of how uncomfortable it might be towards what you desire, is important. And again, that's whether it's what I'm doing or what you're doing or what any of the many other guests that you've had on your show are doing. It's the same process.
0: Yeah, that's tremendous advice. That's really great advice. And what, let's drill that down a little bit more. What advice would you give a student who's currently in school at this time? So they're already starting their path, might not know what direction they want to go in, but is there any practical advice you give someone who is currently a student in school?
1: Some of what I said earlier applies for students as well. What do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? What would you do if you weren't paid to do it? get some understanding of what that is. And in school, there are many opportunities to explore, to learn. You've got career services offices, you've got alumni who are doing all sorts of things, reaching out, talking to people who are doing some of those things that you might want to do. That's important. You get tremendous opportunities to research various careers on campus, certainly do that. There are opportunities for work study. There are opportunities for internships. There are opportunities, there's so many opportunities to really I would call it to be creative, be inquisitive, and to get a feel for what would be the best career choice for you at that time, because that could change. This, Whatever you do today, whatever you focus on in school, you may come out and do something different, but you would have a strong, you, you can develop a strong base by being creative, being inquisitive, and exploring, so that when you do decide to make a career choice, is something that you have some passion for despite the fact that it could change over the years. And sometimes that's difficult. It's a little bit easier for freshmen when you get along and you're junior senior that has to be sort of more concrete cuz you don't you don't have many opportunities to when it comes to taking classes all those classes count. But still, that exploration process in my mind is a lifelong journey. If you look at my story, it's been really being open to change, being open to failing, being open to learning and it's allowed me to learn things that have helped me in so many areas of my life. Even being a Vice President at Macy's, having done all the things I did with Michelin, gave me a perspective on marketing, gave me a perspective on sales, HR, and all those other areas, which allowed me. In, at board meetings or working with other partners within the company to have a perspective in those areas.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great advice because a lot of times it, that is an opportunity in, during school and college to explore. You know, If there's something that you're interested in, maybe take a class that relates to it or study or do an internship in a company that you find interesting. So that's great advice to explore while you can, even later in life. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, and set goals. Goal setting is something I didn't do until later in life. A lot of things happen. They just happen. But when I really understood the power of setting goals and developing action steps and taking action and allowing people to hold me accountable, a lot of things changed in my life. And the goal setting and accountability, those things aren't comfortable, but they are so important. If I could share any piece of advice that I think would be most helpful, it would be set goals. Set go, goal, aspirational goals. Goals beyond set goals for what it'll make out of you to achieve them, as Jim Rowan
0: says. But set big goals. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share?
1: I am working on a number of things, but with my financial planning business, I'm doing more, and my consulting coaching business, I'm doing more speaking. I really enjoy speaking because it gives me an opportunity to to share and also learn from other people during the question time. But I'm working to really find more opportunities to share some of the things I've learned with other people, one-on-one, in organizations, but also more broadly through my speaking. And a number of opportunities have arisen here recently and they continue to come up. I really enjoy that. And that's really the big thing that I'm I'm focused on right now. In addition to on the financial planning side, the need is continuing to grow as people find out that I am someone who is not selling products or receiving commissions. I'm really a guy who is selling plans and helping people develop those plans. That is starting to grow, so I'm focusing on really being more efficient in the way that I'm running that particular business. And my wife and I, we're partnering, we're starting to look in other areas like the southeast to potentially do more work down there. That's one of the things that we're talking more about, too.
0: Wow, you got a lot going on. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And you know I'm a huge car guy.
1: Huge car guy.
0: Yeah, huge car guy. So if you would, tell me, what was your first car?
1: My first car was a 68 Pontiac station wagon that my parents bought. It was theirs, but I was the first in my family to get my license, so it was my car, and that's what I drove—a '68 Pontiac Station Wagon, <laughs> probably one of the biggest cars on the road at the time, I guess.
0: Was it a wood grain on the sides? Absolutely, it was wood grain. You're really a car guy, Greg. It was that's a wood right. grain.
1: Yeah, it was a wood grain,
0: and it was a great car.
1: It was a great car. What's your dream car? A number of years ago, when I was more of a car person, it was a—I owned a. Two, what was it, two, I owned the 200SX, and then I owned the 280Z. Uh, the 300ZX was a car that I wanted to get after I having driven the 280. Never did. But that was a car that I really liked. I really enjoyed driving the, the Nissan, or Datsun as it was called way back. So the 300ZX is a car that I still like.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, one perk to some jobs is a cool company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a really cool company car. And so I went the uh let's see kind of the banker ironically financial analyst (laughs) perspective and there's one car in particular i always heard outperformed the stock market so if you had bought this car in 1955 it would actually provide better dividends than if you had invested the same amount of money in the stock market and it's a really cool car so i picked for you a 1955 mercedes gullwing have you ever heard of this car
1: never heard of it
0: So this car has the gull-wing doors that raise up like a bird flying. It's super cool. They were built uh, to race. Uh, I'll send you a picture of one. They're gorgeous cars. And they were over $7,000 when new in 1955. For comparison, a Chevrolet station wagon in 1955 was about $2,000. So they were extremely expensive in the past And if you did the math on them, they're worth about $1.4 million now. And the theory that they outperformed the stock market is not true. I actually researched that this morning. So if you invested $7,080 in 1955, that $7,000 would be worth $2.8 million, about twice what the Mercedes is actually worth. So I debunked that myth in trying to find you a cool company car. But that is the car I would pick for you if I had all the money in the world.
1: Wow. Wow. That is pretty exciting. I don't know a lot about cars, but it'll be interesting to learn more about this one greg
0: it's a it's a real nice good one, and uh it's a classic car too, and you're a classic guy, so it fits well, perfectly I, I appreciate <laughs>
1: that, man. It's great to know you and I really appreciate you having me on your show. My wife, Melinda, has been a tremendous partner as a spouse and business partner now, and I will tell you God has really blessed us and uh, it's been great to to get to know people like you, man. And I really appreciate all that you're doing for so many people.
0: And oh, thanks, uh, the, the
1: legacy that you're developing when it comes to leadership, personal leadership and leading other people.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for your career journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your companies?
1: They can go to, I'm on LinkedIn, Mike Kelly, LinkedIn, Facebook. We've got, I'm on Facebook and we've also got a Right Path Enterprises uh, Facebook page. So they can find us there or two websites, Kelly Financial Planning or Right Path Enterprises. They can find us there. And our contact information is out there as well.
0: Thanks so much, Mike, for taking us on your career journey today. You're welcome,
1: Greg. And again, thank you for having me on and all the best as you continue to do this wonderful work.
0: Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO that's G R E G S T A N L E Y L F O and we will see you soon as we learn from others together